Coming up next on Way of Grace with Jessica Stan. There are tremendous benefits and blessings coming out of the person who lives honorably. There are tremendous benefits when you change the way you think from you being you-centered to God-centered and you being the means and vehicle by which God's glory operates through you to others. Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Welcome. This is Way of Grace. Our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stand, takes us back to 1 Peter chapter 2, as well as Isaiah chapter 9. We'll even focus in on a few of the Proverbs as we take a look at honor. We've been defining honor, taking a look at the act of honoring, the position of strength, the privilege of opportunity, practice of appreciation. And today we continue by looking at the contrast, dishonorable people and how they operate and why, and why it is weak, selfish, and insecure. Here's Pastor Jessica Stand as we begin today's broadcast of Way of Grace. From verses 6 to 10, he not only calls us to growth, but he calls us to consecration. From growth to consecration, what do you mean? You are a holy priesthood, a royal nation, my, you are a royal nation, a holy priesthood. That's consecration, ladies and gentlemen. The priesthood was separated unto God to be a means of blessing to everybody else. That means the church of the living God, the body of Christ, believers are privileged to be separated unto God. You are nearer to God than anybody else in the world. And you have the privilege of knowing God in the depths of the mysteries of the gospel, which the whole temple sacerdotal system was about, right? And you who understand the gospel because you're drawn near to it by your communion with God are consecrated to God in order to operate out of the two primary offices to which God has called you, the mediatorial role of priests. Now, how am I going to honor a lost man or woman? If I don't pray for them, how am I going to honor my lost son or lost daughter if I don't pray for them? You see the text? You see how it develops itself? Come out of the foolish thinking by growing in the Word of God. Drink the Word of God like babies do who hunger voraciously for God's Word because your mind doesn't change without God's Word being the agent to change it. You don't just naturally grow up in the spiritual things. There's a transformation that takes place only by the abiding, influential Word of God on the heart and the mind of the believer. And then you enter into the intimacy of communion with God, not only individually, but collectively with the body of Christ. That's the other thing. You can't grow without me. I can't grow without you. You think you can, you can't. And then the community of those who are called a royal people, who have been dignified to be brought near to God, called the family of God, called the firstborn, called the sons of God. We get to commune with God about everything that goes on in the world. What an honor. We get to call on God for lost people. We get to mediate for sick people. We get to mediate for people who are afflicted and troubled. What an honor. Now, if I'm doing that, I'm thinking right first. Is that true? And then you know what Peter says after he tells us we are a royal priesthood that have been separated unto the praise and glory of God in order to show forth his praise and glory, in order to show it forth. Because you see, God is really glorious. And his people 
get to manifest that glory so that others are seeking the glorious God through our communion with him. Then Peter tells us, and stop all of that foolishness. Stop doing what you used to do. And avoid entering into the calamity of this fallen world system. When he says in verse 17 that you and I to honor all men, what he means by that is make sure you separate yourself from the dishonorable behavior of the human race, which is given to politics, which is given to war, which is given to strife, which is given to argumentation, which is given over to debate, which is given over to pride, machoism. It gives itself over to it being the most important thing. Are you hearing me? That's the world you live in. These are the people you talk to daily. You're not going to meet three people on any given day that if you don't give them five minutes to talk, they're filled with politics, filled with anger, filled with disagreement, filled with bitterness, filled with hostility, filled with rage, filled with blaming somebody, filled with hypocrisy. Are you hearing me? Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to conform? Are you going to collapse into it? Are you going to just immerse yourself so that you end up actually being like them? If you do, then you've lost your calling. Now you cannot be honorable because you bought into the lie. Remember Isaiah 9, 15, the ancient and the honorable, he's the what? The prophet that speaks lies, he's the what? So when you know the whole world lieth in the lap of the wicked one, and they operate out of worldviews and philosophies that are contrary to God's word, how are you thinking you're going to operate out of a place of honor when you buy into the same philosophy? It's not going to work. Am I making some sense? Right. So we are really going to press into the significance of the concept of honor and ask God to help us be honorable since he's called us to it. So the first thing I want to do is work on a definition of honor. Can you pull our first PowerPoint up along these lines? And you guys can do this on your cell phone. You can Google now to see whether or not pastor is giving you some weird, bizarre, uh, uh, personal definitions of honor. I just don't do that. I don't have to waste the time doing that. God is good enough to give us voluminous materials by which we can affirm truth because of his conventional nature versus me uh, uh, weaving a, a body of ideas that has no basis in reality. Just Google it if you don't believe me. What is honor? What is honor? Honor means to hold in what? Respect. To hold in esteem. That's what honor means. And while we are considering that first statement, it is an action term, right? To hold in respect and honor. The verb I want you to capture is the verb what? Hold. Hold. To hold in honor and hold in respect. Now that's not the Lord Jesus calling. To hold in honor and to hold in respect. And what that's going to mean is this. If you're going to be an honorable person, you've got to have the mental muscles to hold. You've got to have the mental muscles to hold. Because if we were to be honest, we are weak in honoring. And what we should honor, we might honor for a moment. But if it doesn't benefit us, we let go of the honor. So I'm going to show you in a moment that honorable people have a virtue that gives them the strength to do what they do. Hold in honor, hold in esteem. And it also means to confer distinction on. That's another verb, to confer. So to hold and to confer, to confer distinction on and to express what? Right, there are your three verbs, hold, confer, and express. You, you, you capture that thing or you capture that person, you give them the value that they deserve, and you confer it on them. This is a giveaway principle. I'm gonna talk about this in a moment. You gotta learn how to give. You got to learn how to give. 
And honorable people are positioned to give. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Give honor to whom honor is due. That's the imperative. Give honor to whom honor is due. So you hold it when you evaluate a thing right, when you have the gift of being able to determine whether it's an honorable thing, and then not only do you hold it, you confer it upon them. And it takes a lot of grace for some of us to give something away because we are so vacuous in our own soul that all we want is something given to us. Am I telling the truth? Can I preach today? Can I preach today? This is the first sermon of the new year, and I, want, I really want us to get it. So to hold and then to confer. To confer is a real virtue when you can give away praise, when you can give away adulation, when you can give away honor, you can give it away. That means you are wealthy. To hold in respect, esteem, and honor. To confer distinction on. To express. Do you see that next verb? Express. I want you to get this now. You know what that means? Make it known. This is the other area that those of us who are deficient in honor have a problem with. So mentally, you might know somebody is deserving of honor, but because of a deficiency in your character, you won't let them know it. Listen to me. There are going to be a million events, a million circumstances, a million opportunities come your way over this year by which you will be able to exercise this virtue. And if you actually are intending on being a better person this year and walking in greater honor, you're going to see the opportunities to do it. And the more you do it, the better you will be at it. Now, I'm not going to tell you today the benefits and the blessings of it because you don't have time for it. Over the next several weeks, I will explain that there are tremendous benefits and blessings coming out of the person who lives honorably. Tremendous benefits of which the Lord himself tells us about them. There are tremendous benefits when you change the way you think from you being you-centered to God-centered and you being the, the means and vehicle by which God's glory operates through you to others in the context of honor. Y'all with me today? This is very important. So to hold in respect, esteem, honor, to confer distinction on, to express value, merit, and worth. Honor is a bestowment. Honor is a deference. Honor is a conferring upon someone who is properly and rightly worthy of this what? That's Romans 13, 7. All right, give fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due, credit to whom credit is due. In other words, God calls his people to tell the truth. Now, you guys with me? All right, so let's keep working this through because it's very important. Having now given a basic definition, which we will flesh out over the weeks to come, because we're going to be working through texts of Scripture that are going to show us this in an acute and in a radical way. Starting next week, we will be in the book of Esther. Esther will occupy our time for seven weeks because in the book of Esther, guess what the theme is? Honor. The whole point of Esther is honor. The whole point is honor. And we're going to deal with three characters who are honored and three characters who are dishonored. And we'll get a chance to see where we are in it. And within those character developments, we'll see the principles of honor working so that we can ask ourselves, has God honored me And am I reciprocating that honor by being an honorable person too? In other words, could I make it to the position of Esther? Or would I be Vashti? Would I make it to the position of Mordecai? Or would I be Haman? We got to do it. Because that's what the book is about. It's a book about God's honor 
in the life of God's people, pointing us to the redemptive realities in the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, Christ is our honor. So we have the definition of honor laid out before us, having already talked about God honoring his creation, God honoring his redemptive purposes. And do you know that God closes this universe in honor? Do you know you are destined to honor, child of God? Do you know you're destined to honor? Do you know that you are destined to honor and glory with Jesus Christ? Do you know that you're headed to a place of infinite and eternal honor? Right. It's the same term glory, both in the Old and the New Testament. Chabad is our Hebrew word for glory I told you about. Not Shekinah. Shekinah is an external glory. Chabad is the intrinsic value and worth of a thing like God is glorious in nature, is he not? We're going to talk about that in a moment. And you and I have been made to be partakers of his glory, have we not? What an honor. Do you understand that you are headed in an upward excursion to the highest level of honor you could ever imagine without being God yourself? Do you understand that? Raise your hand if you understand that. You are escalating in a high, holy, heavenly calling to a position where glory is yours. The greatest glory only belongs to God himself. That ought to floor you. That ought to floor you, undeserving, naturally hell-bound sinner. It ought to change your life. It ought to humble you. It ought to humble you. And it certainly ought to change the way we think. Because this destiny of glory was purposed and decreed before the world began. And it was given to us and secured to us in Jesus Christ, according to 2 Timothy 1.9. God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our, own, our works, but according to his own mercy and grace, which we had in Christ Jesus before the world began. God destined me to glory in Christ before I had a being. Hallelujah! Don't let the glory of the gospel diminish in your thinking. Because the motive for doing right has to be your relationship with God. Is that true? It has to be your relationship with God. And again, we're getting ready to work this through because it's important to work through. So under point number one, having defined honor to hold and respect high esteem honor, to confer distinction upon, express value, merit, and worth towards someone or something. Before we move to point number two, I really want to say this. Mama, learn how to do that. Open your mouth. Daddy, learn how to do that. Open your mouth. Don't be stingy honoring those who deserve to be honored. Are you hearing me? We get going to find out there's a problem if you do, but I'm just saying it up front. See, when God gives us children, he gives us children in order for us to be in God's stead to help the children understand the dignity of their existence. And yes, you have to be under instruction. We're about to talk about that now, but that's honor too. Haven't you discovered grown folks who are barely growing up now that while we didn't like being under our parents, God really honored us being under our parents? I'm going to say it one more time because it evaded you. Haven't you discovered grown people barely grown up now that what you hated and despised in the instruction of your parents was really that God was honoring you because God was preparing you to be grown up? Now, that's all a process of honor because before honor is humility. 
See, I'm going to be sharing a bunch of Proverbs with you to help you understand the gospel paradigm. That those to whom God has called honor, he has first called to humility. Is that the gospel? Is that Christ? Is that the suffering Savior? Is that the one who was born in a manger, who grew up poor in the hood, and yet God honored him? But he gave him parents. So you're going to get a list of 30 or 40 very explicit things that Bible says about honoring. So we get to look and see, do we actually honor God in these areas? Since we call ourselves children of God. Is that going to help us this year? Yes. Right, I'm going to lay them out. It's going to be a heavy bulletin next week. You're going to have to work out on one arm because the bulletin is going to be like this, okay? You gonna, you gonna, you, all right? The next thing I want to call you to, and I hinted at it before, the act of honoring is a virtue itself. Now let me talk about why that's the case. And while I'm doing that, will you please pull up Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. I'll use one text as an example. When a person is acting honorably... I state that it is a virtue itself because it's first a position of strength. It's a position of strength. A position of strength. It doesn't take any strength to talk bad about somebody. It doesn't take any strength to think bad about someone. It doesn't take any strength to hold your mouth when somebody really is worthy of praise and you don't do it. That takes no strength. That's not the Holy Ghost. When you have the ability to give away honor, give away esteem, give away virtue, give away exaltation, give away the kind of qualitative value merit that a person or thing deserves, it's demonstrating that you have strength. Are you hearing me? It's a position of strength that you're coming from when you do that. It's a position of strength that you are coming from when you do that. The second sub point, it's a privilege of what? Are y'all reading your outline? It's a privilege of what? Point number one, it is a position of strength. You are strong when you are honorable. Point number two, it's a privilege of what? Do you see it now? Do you see what I mean by if you are thinking honorably, God's going to open doors. He's going to open doors for you. And people are going to hear and see and observe your behavior as being one of honor. And that's going to lead to an opportunity for you to talk about God. You're going to be able to talk about God simply because you are walking in honor with God. Simply because you're thinking right. Simply because you understand the privilege of being a royal child of God. The third sub point in that category before I deal with our text is that it is a practice of what? All right, so all three of those is what I want you to think about. Why, pastor, should I be honorable? Because it's a position of strength. It actually determines whether or not you have the virtue. Now, you say you're a child of God. Is that what you say? I'm a child of God. Do you understand the potency behind that position? I'm a child of God. Do you understand the requisite to being a child of God? I'm a child of God. Do you understand the worth and value? and the supply of grace, and the wisdom, and the knowledge, and all of the heavenly resources that are at your disposal because you're a child of God. Do you understand that? Do you understand that when you're called a child of God, you are saying that you are the son of the God of the universe? Did you hear that? Do you know what that means? Everything is yours. Everything is yours. That you don't have any reason to think that you are in want because you are a son of God. Now, now, think this through. 
I'm a son of God. I'm a child of the most high God, like religious folks say. If that's true, and you're God's child, he has given you everything necessary for life and godliness through Jesus. If that's true, he has made you an heir and joint heir with Christ. That means an equal heir, not a lesser heir, an equal heir with Christ. That means all of the resources of heaven and earth are yours. See, now right here is really where the nexus is. I'm going to talk about that when we get to um, the uh, deficit of those who are dishonorable. I'll talk about that in a moment. Right now, you are comfortable enough to tell people that you're a child of God, but I don't really think you understand the implications of it. I don't think you understand the implications. Let me make it really simple. If you're a child of God, but you're not talking to the Father communing with the Father, and drawing from the Father the resources that a father gives to the firstborn in order that you might affirm your sonship, which is what God does, uh, then you are not aware of the privileges and benefits and the virtues of being a son of God. You're not aware that as, as a very son of God, you have all of the marks of majesty upon you by which when you speak for God, God has to honor that. You don't know that. Am I making some sense? So here's the text that I'm going to use to demonstrate that. You remember when we just preached on Mary and Joseph being the uh, vehicle by which the Lord Jesus came into the world? Did God honor them? Did God honor them? Were they honored? Right. Did they act honorably? Did they act honorably? Absolutely. They are a great example of one whom God honored because when God honors you, he comes to you with his secret. When God honors you, he comes to you with his gospel. When God honors you, he comes to you with his covenant. He comes to you with his plan. He comes to you with his scheme. And then he asks you to join in with him on the scheme and its process and development. That's when God honors you. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He showed it to Mary and Joseph, right? And they were honorable enough to hold on to the scandal of the gospel, weren't they? Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then didn't we learn that after they had the baby— all the hell they went through in the humility process that comes before honor, that God honored them with the wealthy wise men coming down from the, north, from, the, from the east, right? North on one and east on the other. You guys remember that? How that these poor young couple found themselves engulfed in the wealth and riches and honor that was bestowed upon the sun. Do you guys remember that? When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Verse 11. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their what? And when they had opened their treasures, this next clause underscores one point that I can state in two words. Three, they honored him. How many of you guys see that? They honored him. Did they honor him? Now watch this. You know how they honored him? By their prostration before him as king. You know how they honored him? By their giving him the riches that they possessed that was worthy of a king that they had acknowledged before him. Do you see it? Do you see? Do you see that honor is giving away? Honor is bestowing? Honor is expressing? Honor is holding? They held to such an honorable view of the Son of God that they came thousands of miles away to see him. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. 
We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was an impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, For directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.